And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl, my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Hello everyone, I'm Carl Amari and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's a Christmas time episode of The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes from 1947. Then Henry is trying to sell Christmas cards on part one of The Aldrich Family from 1942. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What's up, Carl? Wow, you're wearing all kinds of Christmas uh, ornamentation. That's, Earrings are ornaments. This and... is why he loves classic radio. He has an excellent mind for it. <laughs> all of these radio <laughs> shows have developed my imagination. That's right, for Lisa? sure. Well, it's Sherlock Holmes to start things off. And it's a Christmas episode from December 21st, 1947, called The Christmas Bride. This stars John Stanley and Alfred Shirley. Let's tune it in. Part one of The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. From New York, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and 924 leading retail stores from coast to coast present the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> the stories are based upon the character of Sherlock Holmes created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes is portrayed by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by Alfred Shirley, and the dramatizations are by Edith Miser. Well, here we are, about to enter Dr. Watson's familiar study. Hello, what's this? We find the good doctor hanging up his Christmas holly. Not forgetting a sprig of mistletoe, Mr. Harris. (laughs) (laughs) Hope springs eternal, as they say. But here, help me down from this chair. My old legs aren't as agile as they were in the days when I followed Holmes through the dungeons and up the tower stairs of old Pensdagon Castle. Here we are. Oh, thanks. That sounds suspiciously like the beginning of a Sherlock Holmes yarn, Dr. Watson. It is, Mr. Harris, it is. Holmes always called it the adventure of the Christmas bride. It concerns a ghostly lady in white who was supposed to have disappeared centuries ago. The honor of a noble family and a certain Father Christmas who suddenly sang bass. And now, how about that Christmas bride, Dr. Watson? Her name was Ginevra, and she was the heir and only child of Lord Robert Neville, 10th Earl and 54th Baron Pensdragon of Pensdragon Castle. Yes, I shall never forget my first glimpse of that ancient and somewhat forbidding edifice. The walls gray and bleak without their summer covering of ivy. The towers square and defiant with the red or rouge dragon pennant angrily defying the winter gales. Well, as I was saying, a rather urgent message from Lord Neville on elegant embossed stationery had arrived at 221B Baker Street. 
Would Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson do him the honor of a visit to Penn's Dragon over the Christmas holidays? The visit to include the wedding of his daughter, Lady Ginevra, to the immensely wealthy but slightly middle-aged Wentworth Trimmingham, which was due to occur on the second day of the new year. Now, don't tell me the eminent Mr. Sherlock Holmes was called in to guard the wedding presents, Dr. Watson. <laughs> Hardly, Mr. Harris. At any rate, the day before Christmas found us alighting from our train at a small station in the Cumberland Hills, which, as you know, are situated in the north of England. There had been a slight fall of snow. An ancient carriage with red wheels and the Neville arms on the door was drawn up to the station platform, while the anxious face of the Lord of the Manor himself, in top hat and earmuffs, peered through one of the steamy windows. Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson. That's right. Uh, this way, gentlemen. His lordship's expecting you in carriage. Quite a fall of snow you've had here. Aye, sir. More are coming. By rights, we should have brought the sleigh. Only his lordship loaned it to the vicar for tomorrow night. Vicar always plays fire to Christmas at the hall on Christmas Eve, I knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson, sir. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You are hop in before you freeze to death. Thank you. Are you here, Mr. Holmes? Your friend opposite. Ah. And now then, Dennis, back to Penn's Dragon as fast as you can. Aye, my lord. Mr. Holmes, you are doubtless curious as to why I've invited you and Dr. Watson to share our Yuletide celebrations at Penn's Dragon. To be quite honest, Lord Neville, I didn't think it was entirely for the pleasure of our society, although Watson is quite an asset when it comes to carol singing. Oh, tenor? No, certainly not baritone. Oh, oh, that's good. The vicar who leads the Christmas singing is rather proud of his tenor voice, and I may say he's not too fond of competition. Uh, Mr. Holmes... I have invited you to Penn's Dragon to make sure that nothing, nothing occurs to prevent the marriage of my daughter to Mr. Wentworth Trimmingham. Why is that marriage so imperative, Lord Neville? To be brutally frank, Mr. Holmes, the Neville estates are mortgaged up to the ears. If the marriage does not go through on the second of next month, I shall be bankrupt, totally bankrupt. I see. Has anything occurred, Lord Neville, to make you fear that this marriage may not take place? Well, no. That is nothing definite. Perhaps the Lady Ginevra hasn't been able to hide her distaste for the marriage. Oh, no, 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 nothing like that. Well, I, I wouldn't say it was a passionate attachment on either side. But they, they like the same things. She laughs at all his jokes. What better foundation could one ask for a marriage, eh, Watson? Well, that's what I should have said. Well, everything was as smooth as silk until the Dowager Duchess of Terce gave the engagement dinner last month. It was at her suggestion that I sent you the invitation to Penn's Dragon. She's been decidedly edgy ever since Percy returned in the midst of the betrothal dinner two weeks ago. Percy? Yes, Percy is my cousin, although he's only seven years older than Ginevra. He's our next of kin. As a matter of fact, he's an orphan and lived with us at Penn's Dragon until he went off to Canada to seek his fortune two years ago. If anything should happen to your daughter before she produced an heir, would Percy Devil inherit... Yes, Dr. Watson. Both the title and the estates. Percy Neville's return was unexpected, I gather. It was. Unexpected and melodramatic, to say the least. The betrothal dinner was being held in the great hall of Penn's Dragon Castle. My daughter had just risen to return the bridegroom's toast. As she lifted her glass, a casement window was thrown violently open, and Percy walked in out of the night. And now I should like to make a toast. To my future bridegroom. Percy! Good heavens, Percy. Is it really you? I'm sorry to make such an abrupt entrance, Lady Terse. But I came as soon as I received news of the engagement. Percy, why didn't you let us know you were coming? Let you know. 
But you know when you never bother to answer my letters? But, Percy, we never received any letters. We, we thought you'd forgotten us. I have forgotten. As if that would have mattered. Percy, that's not true. You know how fond I... We are of you. How touching. Percy, this is Wentworth. Wentworth Trimmingham, my future bridegroom. So, this is the little man they've sold you to. Stop that. Stop it at once. I'm very fond of Wentworth. Are you, my dear Geneva? Percy, why do you look at me like that? To think you should so soon forget our family motto. Ne vile velis. The name Neville means that, you know. Ne vile velis. Ne vile velis. Latin, I take it, eh, Holmes? Quite. It means stoop to nothing base, in case you've forgotten your Ovid, Watson. Oh, teach your grandmother to suck eggs. Tell me, Lord Neville, what happened after Percy quoted the family motto to your daughter? Oh, he stamped off to his old rooms in the tower and hasn't been out of them since. How does the Lady Ginevra react to this unfriendly behavior? Oh, she says let him sulk. It's no concern of hers. Lady Terse, on the other hand, is thoroughly unnerved by Percy's return. Oh? As she feels sure he'll do something outrageous the day of the wedding. Poor Wentworth is as edgy as a hen on a hot griddle. Well, of course, that may be due to his encounter with the White Lady. White Lady? Who's she? The ghost of the first Ginevra, you know. The bride who played hide-and-seek on her wedding night and was never seen alive again. Years later, her skeleton was found in her great dower chest, still dressed in her wedding gown. She'd hidden in there, and somehow the hasp must have fallen down, and she was locked in and smothered to death. Seems to me I remember a rather famous poem on the subject. Oh, yes. So all the Ginevras and the Neville family have been named after her. She's supposed to walk through the halls of the castle whenever a misfortune is due to occur. Oh, cheerful damsel, eh, Holmes? When and how did Wentworth Trimmingham meet the lady? Well, Mr. Holmes, it seems it's his habit to knock on my daughter's door on his way to bed to wish her good night. Last night, the wind was rather high and he couldn't seem to make my daughter hear. Suddenly, he heard a strange creaking noise down the corridor behind him. Looking round, he saw the lid of the dower chest rise slowly. Ginevra. Ginevra, my dear, it's I, Wentworth. I've come to bid you good night. Ginevra, are you there? Ginevra! Who calls me? What was that? Good Lord, the, but the lid of the chest is rising. There's something. A woman in white. She's rising out of the chest. Who, who, who are you? The first Ginevra. You call to me. So I have come to warn you. Go away. Go away before it is too late. Then what happened, Lord Neville? Nothing, Mr. Holmes. Apparently, the white figure glided past my daughter's fiancée and disappeared up the tower stairs. Hmm. What did the lady look like? Blonde, brunette? Uh, Wentworth says her features were hidden by the bridal veil. Yes, interesting. I suppose anyone in the house would have access to that tower chest. On the contrary, Mr. Holmes, too many people are possessed of insatiable curiosity. I keep the silly thing safely padlocked, I promise you. How many keys are there to that padlock? One, which I keep by me, here, on my keyring. A very wise precaution. I say, Holmes, your bed is even larger than the one in my room. 
The butler tells me Queen Victoria slept there when she paid a visit in 1846. It looks so superior, Watson. Queen Elizabeth, I'm told, slept here quite a few years before that. Oh. Come in. Oh, Lady Tuss, beautiful and charming as ever. Stop and nonsense. Glad to see you, both of you. Something's going on here. Don't like it. What sort of something are you referring to, Lady Tuss? Don't know. If I did, shouldn't have sent for you. Ginevra looks as if butter wouldn't melt in her mouth. Bad sign. Percy looks like a thundercloud. That's worse. I thought Percy had locked himself in his rooms and refused to see anyone. I'd like to see anyone refuse to see me. Oh, but I'm Gavin. Uh, you will want to view the premises. Yes. First of all, I'd like to inspect that dour chest. It might be interesting to investigate how a lady in white can emerge from a carefully padlocked coffer. Then you don't think it was a ghost. Neither do I. Well, what was she up to? We shall be able to answer those questions better, Lady Terse, after you've had a look inside that box. I wonder if you could persuade Lord Neville to lend us the key. Here's the key, Mr. Holmes. Lord Neville insists I bring it back the moment you've finished with it. Suspicious old boy, eh, Holmes? Not suspicious, Dr. Watson. Fussy. Well, Mr. Holmes, why the delay? Open the silly chest. Let's see what's inside. So fast, Lady Terse, not so fast. First, let's have a look at the lock. Heavy old bit of machinery. Yes, almost impossible to pick it without showing signs. There are no signs. Then whoever opened it used that key. Not necessarily, Watson. But there's only one key Lord Neville told us so. And if Robert says a thing, it's gospel. Yes. Interesting carving around the lock. The wood's very old. Mm, naturally. Open it up. I'm dying of curiosity. Very well. Lock needs oiling. It hasn't been unlocked for some time. I'll remove the padlock. Here, Watson, hold it. Now, Lady Terse, if you'll help me raise the lid. Right. Good Lord, what's that? Oh, it's Thor, Ginevra's spaniel. Goes everywhere with her. Regular shadow. Oh, yes, here she comes. Hello there. I'm Ginevra. Why, you must be Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Delighted. Don't let me stop you, Mr. Holmes. You won't. Father told me what you're up to. I'm dying to see what's in the chest, too. Go ahead, open it up. Boy. You see, it's a biggish box, isn't it? Yes, a woman could easily hide in there. Hmm, something uh, white and uh, satin lying on the bottom. Wonderful. It must be her wedding dress. I've always heard it was still in there. Remarkable to find it in such good condition after all these years. The remarkable thing about it, Lady Ginevra, is this dust and dirt on the hem. Watson, give me an envelope. I shall want to take a sample. But that's fascinating. I've heard simply fabulous things about you, Mr. Holmes, and now I believe them. Everyone. Do you? Yes, I think we've seen everything there is to be seen here. Watson, you may close the lid and lock it. Right. Aha. Uh -huh. So this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes and his famous deductions. They told me you were coming. They? Who's they? I understood you'd let no one in here, not even the maid. But you've overlooked Lady Terse. Try to keep her out of anything. I didn't mention Mr. Holmes, Percy. Or did I? Don't look so suspicious, Lady Terse. I've decided to be a good boy. I've even decided to come downstairs tonight and join in the Christmas Eve festivities. Percy, that gleam in your eye. I've known you too long. You're up to something. Dear, the vicar's late. Down, Thor. Oh, calm yourself, Geneva. He'll be here. But, Percy, the snow's so deep. What if he can't get through? Now, don't worry. The sleigh is light, and he has Vixen, the best horse in the county. Nothing can pass her, you know. Oh, dear, I, I hope so. No, Thor, down. What are 
ails the dog? He may prove to be a bit of a problem, don't you think? Goodness, I hope not. Oh, Mr. Holmes, I didn't see you behind that chair. An ancient wing chair often provides a good listening post, my dear. Now, look here, you meddling busybody. Mercy, please, you promised. Suppose you allow me to solve the problem of the dog, Lady Ginevra. Would you? I mean... Listen, sleigh bells, the vicar's driving up. He's here. Father Christmas has arrived. Open the door, Paddleford. Now then, everyone. Good King Wenceslas looked down on that beast of Stephen. When the snow lay round about, my right ear's half frozen. Come along, Father Christmas. Percy will take you into the dining room. You can have a hot toddy while you get out of your rack. That's a good idea. A good idea. And better disguise your voice, sir, or all the children will guess who you are. Uh, that's a good idea, too. Uh, 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 gather round, all. Uh, bring in the Yule log. <laughs> Father Christmas will be with you in a moment to give out the presents to all the good boys and girls. <laughs> How is that? Vicar, you're wonderful. Now go along. Take good care of him, Percy. Never fear, my dear. <laughs> Mr. Holmes, they're bringing in the Yule log. Come and help me set fire to it. Oh, look, Dr. Watson has caught Lady Tess under the mistletoe. I declare I've never had such a Christmas. Oh, come along, Ginevra. They're ready for you to light the fire. Oh, dear, where did I put the matches? Allow me, Lady Ginevra. Oh, thank you, Dr. Watson. Oh, oh yes. look at that. I say, I say, her mousy burns, eh? Oh, lovely. I do like to toast my feet in front of a Yule log. I beg your pardon, Lady Ginevra. Haven't you raised your skirts a bit too high? Oh, my goodness. I forgot. Oh, Ginevra, my dear, your fiancé is making quite an ass of himself. He runs into the library every other minute to see no one's lifted one of the wedding presents. Well, all that silver and your present, Lady Terse, the diamond tiara. I'll admit that tiara is a temptation. You shouldn't have given it to me, Lady Terse. It's wonderful. Oh, not at all. A confounded nuisance. Giving me a headache for years. Glad to be rid of it. Oh, here, here comes Father Christmas. Gather around the punch bowl, everyone. And we'll have a drink or so before we give out the presents. Oh, I say, what's oh, 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 That's the ticket. I say there, because, uh, Father Christmas, I mean. Uh, start us off on a carol. Can't drink your eggnog without a song. Right you are, fair lady. God rest you, merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior, but born on Christmas Day. Uh, jolly, eh, Holmes? Nothing like a good old-fashioned English Christmas. Straight out of Dickens, don't you know? That's the first portion of The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, Carl Amari here. During the month of December, you can digitally download Amos and Andy Volume 1. Twelve comedy episodes of Amos and Andy Volume 1 is regularly priced at $19.99, but is yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. Also on sale during December at 50% off is Classic Radio's Greatest Christmas Shows Volume 1. Twelve Christmas episodes including Fibber McGee and Molly, The Great Gildersleeve, The Bing Crosby Show, My Favorite Husband, Nero Wolf, Our Miss Brooks, 
suspense, and more. Classic Radio's Greatest Christmas Shows Volume 1 is regularly priced at $19.99, but is yours for only $9.99 via digital download this month only. Visit ClassicRadioStore.com today and digitally download the Amos and Andy Show Volume 1 and Classic Radio's Greatest Christmas Shows Volume 1 at half price. In January, these two collections will go back to full price, so don't miss them while they're on sale during December. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com. Hi, Carl Amari here for Remind Magazine, America's monthly blast from the past. Each month, Remind Magazine focuses on a pop culture theme from the 1950s through the 1980s, covering a wide spectrum of topics from Marilyn Monroe to Marilyn Manson. In every 50-plus page issue of Remind Magazine, you'll find dozens of puzzles, movie posters, trivia contests, classic comics, crossword puzzles, vintage advertisements for products from days gone by, and much more. And every issue features my column, Radio 360, where I focus on a celebrity from Hollywood's golden age and write about his or her radio work. And next to my article is the monthly schedule of the classic radio shows I'll be playing each month so you'll never miss your favorites. Remind Magazine is available at Barnes & Noble and Walmart stores throughout the country. But because I write for this magazine, I'll let you in on a little secret. You can get Remind Magazine for about 60% less than the newsstand price by ordering it online at RemindMagazine.com. Visit RemindMagazine.com and subscribe today. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Hello there, Father Christmas. Not leaving us so soon. Well, uh, that is uh, a long ride home. Must get going. Uh, don't tell the others. Uh, wouldn't want to disturb the party. Quite. How about a hot toddy before you leave? Stirrup cup, you know. No, I haven't time. I haven't time. I thought you might say that, so I prepared this jug full of grog. Keep it well wrapped. It'll keep you warm. It's a long, cold drive to Gretna Green, but... What, Mr. Holmes? No time to waste. On your way, Father Christmas. Think of me when you drink the grog. We will. Wassel! Wassel! Merry Christmas! And a Happy New Year! Hello, what's this? Vicar, off so soon? Uh, yes, Lord Neville. He seemed in a hurry to get home. Oh, can't blame him. It's a cold night. Let us get inside before we freeze to death. Good idea. Oh, I say, ah. they're ready to start the dancing. Uh, Wentworth's trying to find Ginevra so they can lead the dancers. Help! Help! Oh, who's that calling? Oh, good heavens, what is that? Get me out! I'm locked Why, Someone's got himself locked in the dungeon. This way, the entrance is through the dining room. I was hoping for more of a head start. What's there? Nothing, nothing at all. Ah, this is the door to the dungeon. Let me out! Let me out! I say, dear, the door is bolted. Just a moment. Ah. Ah. Get me out of here! Good Lord! It's the vicar down there in his underwear and trussed up like a New Year's goose. This is an outrage! Get me out of here! But if the vicar is here, who drove off in the sleigh? Presumably an imposter who stole the vicar's clothes. I thought it might be, you know, when I heard Father Christmas sing bass. Hey, Holmes! Holmes, where are you? Lady Ginevra, her fiancée can't find her anywhere. She's disappeared, vanished into thin air. Hey, Scott, someone get the vicar out of the dungeon. I've got to find my daughter. <laughs> oh, Mr. Holmes, come quickly. Ginevra's disappeared. Her dog is crouched in front of the dower chest, howling. Oh, hurry, gentlemen. The same scoundrel that locked the vicar in the dungeon has undoubtedly put Ginevra in the dower chest. I only hope we're not too late, eh, Holmes? Wentworth's <laughs> tried to break the chest open, but the dog won't let him near. There, you see. Easy, 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 Thorpe, boy. Yes, 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 I know, I know what you're trying to say. We'll get her out. Oh, confounded the key. 
Lady Tess, what did you do with the key? But I gave it back to you. No, you didn't. Oh, yes, you did too. Quite all right, you know. No key needed. The wood's so old and the staple's so loose, it's quite possible to lift the lock right out, like this. That's it, I'll raise the lid. Great Scott, there's nothing in there but a roast of beef. Yes. Thor's made off with it, I'm afraid. That explains his interest in the chest. But if Ginevra isn't here, where is she? With Father Christmas, I imagine. They're heading for the Scottish border in the sleigh. You'll never catch them, I'm afraid. Of course. She's eloped with Percy. So she did talk him wrong. Good for her. <laughs> so that's why she trailed off up the tower steps in that old bridal gown. I suspected as much when I discovered some of Percy's ashes on its hem. Ah, oh, but this is dreadful. I should be ruined. We'll have to return all the wedding presents. Fiddle-dee-dee. Personally, I'll make mine a much handsomer contribution. Ginevra shall have the tiara and my emeralds as well. They're worth a king's ransom. Lady Terse. You are an astounding female. All women are. Oh, but we're keeping the dancers waiting. You shall lead the dancers with me, Robert. Come along. Say, Holmes, you old fraud. I believe you knew what was going on all the time. I suspected, Watson. I suspected. But when I saw the Lady Ginevra raise her ball gown and display a pair of travelling boots, I was sure... But uh, come along, Watson. We shall have to go down to the kitchen and make peace with the cook. Oh, why that? We're making off with Sunday's roast of beef. Something had to be done to keep the dog interested, or he'd have given the show away. Well, that certainly was a Christmas story with all the trimmings, Dr. Watson. Glad you liked it, Mr. Harris. And now, while I fill up our glasses... So we can drink a Christmas toast to our listeners and our sponsors. Nothing would give me greater pleasure, Dr. Watson. Ah, here's your glass, Mr. Harris. Thank you. And here's to our radio friends, young and old. Merry, merry Christmas and happiness, prosperity and peace in the new year. Indeed, Dr. Watson. And warm greetings to all the makers of Clippercraft clothes. The makers of Clippercraft clothes and 924 leading stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes is produced and directed by Basil Lochran with special music by Albert Berman. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in New Year's Eve off the Silly Isles. If you'd like to attend the Sherlock Holmes broadcasts in New York, see your local Clippercraft dealer, and he'll tell you how to obtain your tickets. This is Cy Harris speaking for Clippercraft Clothes. This is the world's largest network, serving more than 450 radio stations with mutual broadcasting systems. And that's the adventures of Sherlock Holmes from December 21st, 1947. The Christmas Bride, starring John Stanley and Alfred Shirley. That was sponsored by Clipper Craft Clothes. That's where Mike gets his clothes. He has a haberdashery there, and he just goes there and gets his clothes all made by Clipper Craft. It's nice and easy. Yeah. I it's mean, not easy to say that, though. No. Clipper Craft Clubs. <laughs> exactly. As <laughs> heard on the Mutual Broadcasting System. Before we tune in to the adventures of the Aldridge family, I want to remind all of our listeners about our main sponsor, which is Remind Magazine. And look what I have here, Lisa. I have the brand-new December issue of Remind Magazine. And unfortunately, it uh, it's all about stars that we lost throughout 2017. Just some of the names of people, some of the stars we lost 
in uh, the year 2017. Our good pal Adam West passed away. We have Roger Moore. We have um, Mary Tyler Moore. We have Glenn Campbell, Jerry Lewis, Tom Petty, Hugh Hefner, Don Rickles, many, many more. And pretty much everyone that was a, uh, a superstar is highlighted uh, in this issue of Remind Magazine. But there's also all kinds of trivia games and puzzles, comics, and you name it. It's uh, it's a fantastic magazine, as you know, and you and Mike get this, and I get this as well. And our listeners that tune in to Hollywood 360 really would love Remind Magazine. Now, the best way to get this magazine is to go to their website, remindmagazine.com, remindmagazine.com, or you can pick up an issue at any Barnes & Noble or any Walmart store across the country. But if you want to save about 60% off the newsstand price, you want to go to their website, remindmagazine.com. Okay, it's time now for the Aldridge Family, a great teenage situation comedy series. It was heard on radio, seen in films, and on TV. It was created by Clifford Goldsmith, and Henry Aldridge was a bumbling kid. He was growing awkwardly into adolescence, came to radio in 1939, it starred Ezra Stone as uh, Henry Aldrich. Other actors did play the part as well. And uh, Jackie Kelk played Homer Brown, his best friend. Let's tune in to a great show. Now, this is a Christmas program. It has a theme of Christmas, although it aired in June of 1942. But they were selling Christmas cards for the upcoming Christmas season. Ezra Stone stars in this, along with Jackie Kelk. Here's part one of The Aldrich Family. Coming, Mother. Postum presents The Aldrich Family, written by Clifford Goldsmith and starring Ezra Stone. Entertainment for all the family brought to you by Postum, a tempting, wholesome drink for all the family. Postum. Penrod Schofield, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn. They're more than just characters in books, for the things they say and do are the things real boys say and do. And Henry Aldrich is another of these typical American youngsters. A boy from your own block, perhaps from your own home. Now our scene opens at the Aldrich Telephone. Hello, operator. I want Elm 629. Elm 629? Henry, tell him exactly what you think of them. She was. they must have arrived by now. Number, please. Operator, I just gave it to you. Elm 629. Henry? Yes, Father? Are you through with that telephone? No, sir. I'm still trying to get my number. Hello, Centerville Station. This is Henry Aldridge. I sent away for a package about ten days ago, and I wonder whether it's come yet. A package? Yes, sir. It's some Christmas cards. Did you say Christmas cards? Yes, sir. Well, if you checked them that long ago, they've probably been thrown out by now. What's that? Oh, I didn't check them. I'm still waiting for them. How's that? They're samples for next Christmas. Homer Brown and I are going to sell them from house to house, only they're not here yet, and we're worried. Give them the deuce, Henry. Well, you're talking with the ticket office. Hold the line. I'll connect you with the express department. Well, that's what I want to talk to. Gee whiz. What does he say, Henry? He's switching me. He thinks they may have been thrown out. Thrown out? What does he think we're going to show people for samples? Hello, Centerville Express office. Hello, do you have any Christmas cards there? What's that? What did you want? This is Henry Aldridge. Henry Aldridge? He isn't here. I know it. He's here. Who is? Does he want to speak to me, Henry? Let go of the receiver, Homer. You're twisting me. 
Hello, hello. Did you want the Centerville Express office? Yes. Have Henry Aldridge's Christmas cards come? What's that? Will you speak a little louder, please? Where are my Christmas cards? You know, it's a funny thing, but it sounds as though you keep saying Christmas cards. I am. They were sent by Express. Well, this is a fine time to be calling us. You should have reported it last January. But I just ordered them in May. Well, why don't you come down here sometime and fill out a tracer? But, gee whiz, don't you realize there's a war bond drive on? What's that? We don't get those samples. We can't get any orders to buy bonds with. I'm sorry, but you'll have to come down. But wait, I... Hello? Hello? That's telling him where to get off, Henry. Imagine. Henry? Yes, Father? Are you through? Yes, sir, for a second. Could we ask you something? Not until I put in my call. But it's important. What's it about? Why, uh, Christmas, Mr. Aldrich. Will you boys please get away from this phone? Yes, Father. Will you let us know as soon as you can discuss it, Mr. Aldrich? Sam? Yes, Alice. I'm going to phone Mr. Thomas. What are you going to say to him, Sam? I'm going to ask him quite frankly why he can't attend a few more committee meetings. You aren't going to say anything you'll be sorry for, are you? I'm not going to be one bit sorry. Here we are, ready to start a big bond club drive. Everybody's for it. They think it's a fine thing. But a few in this town aren't doing anything about it. Isn't Mr. Howard helping? He is not. There's another example. We have a chance to get some war bond show cards at cost. And Mr. Howard, the treasurer of the committee, can't show enough interest to make up his mind as to how many show cards we need. Well, dear, if I were you, I'd resign from the committee. And call off the war? Well, you can't fight it single-handed. Father! Yes? Alice, where's the phone book? It's right there on the stand. I know you've got a lot on your mind, Father, but would it be all right if I should ask you just one thing? What about... Christmas, remember? Christmas? Yes, sir. Have you bought your cards yet? Henry, will you please step out of my light while I look up this number? Hello, operator. I want Elm 232. Now, wait a minute. I just thought I'd ask my mother whether I can go down to the express office. Father, where are you going? Down to the office and put in a call. Now then, uh, tell me once more why you came down here to the express office. Well, I'm Henry Aldridge, and my friend and I are going to sell Christmas cards, see? Say that again, please. You're doing what? We're selling Christmas cards for next Christmas. Oh, well, I wouldn't be interested. But wait. <laughs> you told us to come down here. Here's the whole thing. We sent away for some samples, see? We're going to take orders, but you don't have to put any money down until September 1st, and we'd like to know where they are. Is that clear? Yes. Where what are our Christmas cards. Henry, maybe I better explain it to him. No, Homer, you'll only confuse him. All I know is there's nothing like that here. Well, what are we going to do? Here it is June and Christmas is getting closer every month. I'll say. Gee whiz, we're going to use all the profits to join the War Bond Club. You are? Well, I'll take a good look, but I'm pretty sure that if there were any Christmas cards in this office, I'd know about it. Could one of you boys help me with this package, please? Yeah, sure. Hello, Mrs. Howard. Oh, hello, Henry. Oh, thank you so much. That's all right. This is heavy, isn't it? Thank you. I always said you were a gentleman. Well, thank you, Mrs. Howard. Would you... Would you be interested in some samples of Christmas cards, provided we can find them? <laughs> That's very funny. What is? No, really, Mrs. Howard. We're selling them for bonds. For what? Don't you know? War bonds. We're going to give 10% of our income. Wouldn't you like to have us come over as soon as our samples come and take an order? You want me to sit down on a hot day like this and pick out my Christmas cards for next winter? Why not? And, Mrs. Howard, I guess we haven't made ourselves clear. What they do is print your name on each card. That's what takes the time. Sure. Especially if they print it in Old English. You mean it takes six months? 
Well, if you want it done right, it does. And, Mrs. Howard, if you put it off, the first thing you know, snow will be falling and the Christmas bells will be ringing. My goodness, what's that? What's what? Oh, just a freight train. Oh. Couldn't we interest you, Mrs. Howard? Just to sort of help our drive. Well, do you have any playing cards that aren't too fancy with just Merry Christmas on them? Oh, yes. I'm pretty sure we have. And they're cheap, I think. Well, I'll tell you what you do. Mr. Howard does all the ordering, so you phone him, and if it's all right with him, it's all right with me. Well, thanks very much. Do you want your name printed in Old English? Yes, you might as well, as long as we've got plenty of time. Hey, Henry, there's no shipment here that I can locate. You're sure? Oh, yep. Mr. Harris, I want to send that box of books there. Collect. It's all marked and everything. Yes, ma'am. You want to wait for a receipt? No, I'm in a hurry. I want to get home before I get stuck in a snowdrift. What's that? What's that? Merry Christmas. <laughs> what did she say? It's all right. Are you sure our package isn't here? Yes, sir. Because, gee, how are we going to buy barns if we can't go to work? You buying bonds? Sure, that's what this whole thing is about. Sure. Henry and I are having a drive. In conjunction with the rest of the town? Oh, sure. Well, I didn't know it was that important. Now, you say your package was shipped about how long ago? Ten days ago, wouldn't you say, Homer? That's the way I figure it. I see. Do you know whether it had anything breakable in it? Breakable? Yes, any glass. Glass? No, I wouldn't say so, would you, Homer? No, I've never seen a glass one that I can remember. No, I'd say definitely, no glass. Uh -huh. Well, let's fill out one of these blanks here and see whether we can get a tracer started. And please make it urgent. Oh, yes. And add no glass. Do you think it'll take very long? Because until it gets here, we're practically at a standstill. Well, I don't suppose I ought to do it, but since it's connected with the Bond Club drive, I'll send the main express office a wire. <laughs> Hello? Hello, is this Mr. Bush's office? Hello, Mrs. Bush. Well, this is Sam Ulrich. Say, I was just talking with Ted Thomas. I asked him to do a little work on this bond club committee, and he seemed very much pleased. Yes? In fact, he said he was for it 100%. Fine. The only thing is, he says he's sorry. He has a couple of other things that he's going to have to give his time to, and he suggested you take his place. Uh, that's for the bond committee, Sam? Yes. Uh, it's fine. It's just fine. Glad to have the opportunity. In fact, I'm 500% for it. Well, that's fine. Now I'll tell you what we want you to do. Uh, now, wait, Sam, wait. Before we get too far into this, I unfortunately have a lot of work on my desk. It's already way behind. You have? Yes, I'm a little ashamed of myself to let it go this far, especially at a time like this. I see. But I'll tell you what I'll do. Get hold of John Clark. He's the man for you. John Clark? Yes, yes. I was having lunch with him yesterday. He was saying he wished he could do something to help out. He said he felt so useless. He did? Well, that's fine. As a matter of fact, Sam, why don't you call him yourself? Easy for you to make direct contact. All right, thanks. Oh, that's okay, Sam. Anything else I can do? Don't hesitate calling. Fine. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, that's a fine thing. Here's a letter for you, Mr. Aldridge. Thank you. Put it on my desk. Is Mr. Bush against the bond drive? No, no. He's very much for it. In fact, he's 500% for it. That's more than anyone else I've called up this morning. Did you talk to Mr. Howard? Yes, he said he doesn't think a thousand show cards are necessary to advertise the bond drive. What does he want us to do, keep it a secret? Well, he said he wants to think it over and you're to call him back. Are you going to ask Mr. Clark to help you? Not right away. I'm going to sit down and rest a minute. Henry, let's see the telegram the express company sent us. I still can't believe it, Homer. I'll read it again. It says, Aldridge, Centerville, have no record shipment of Christmas trees this year. 
Wire further details collect. Well, if that isn't the darndest thing, how could people be so dumb, Henry? What do you think we ought to say in reply? Tell them we can't understand their telegram. Will they please wire us more details? Well, that isn't going to get us anywhere, Homer. We've got to send them a very careful explanation. All right, only I don't know how we're going to do it in ten words. Why should we worry about ten words? They say send it collect. You got a pencil? Sure. What are we saying? Gentlemen. <laughs> Gentlemen. Then how about... Don't want Christmas trees. Sure. That'll tell them. We cannot purchase war bonds because order we placed ten days ago has not arrived. Sure. Have you misplaced Christmas cards? Some of those were New Year's cards, Homer. They were? Let's just say, have you misplaced holiday greetings? That's good. That'll tell the whole story. Here, Homer, take it over to the ticket office and finish writing it down while I phone Mr. Howard. What for? Tell him his wife wants him to place an order with us. You know, the more I think about this telegram, the better I like it. What's Mr. Howard's number? 855. 855? Sure. Number, please. Uh, Elm, 855. Elm, 855. Henry, do you think we ought to cut out any of this just to reduce the cost? What do you think? Well, the only word that isn't necessary is gentlemen. Why should they have to pay to be called a thing like that? <laughs> okay, scratch it out. Mr. Howard speaking. Hello, this is Henry Aldridge. What did you say, Aldridge? Yes, sir. Oh, yes. Uh, you're calling about the cards, aren't you, Aldridge? The cards? Yes, sir. Well, that's a coincidence. I was just sitting here thinking about them. You were? About how large are they? Well, I'm sorry, but the samples aren't here yet. Have you any ideas of the price? You mean by the dozen? Oh, you aren't trying to be sarcastic, are you, Aldridge? What's that? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do with you. If your heart's set on it, I'll settle for 500 What's that? But not one more. That's all we have. Five hundred? That's right. Well, what kind of lettering would you like on them? Something in the way of Old English? Old English? Uh, don't you think block letters would be easier to read at a distance? At a distance? Well, they're going to be tacked up on telephone poles, aren't they? Are they? Is this Mr. Howard? Yes, this is still Mr. Howard. Are you sure you want five hundred? Yes, sir. We can cover this town easily with that. Goodbye. Homer! Homer! Gee whiz, we've got to send another telegram to the express company and hurry them up. Why? Mr. Howard's taking 500. In old English? Hey, have you seen this, Joe? What is it? The adjustment desk sent it up to us. It's a telegram from Centerville, signed Aldridge. And what's it about? Well, I don't understand it. It says, don't want Christmas trees. Cannot purchase war bonds because order placed 10 days ago not arrived. Have you misplaced holiday greetings? Well, that's clear enough. What sense do you make out of it? Well, they're having some kind of a bond drive. But what are they using Christmas trees for? Don't ask me. Uh, probably for decorations. And they decided it was a bad idea. But we don't have any shipment of trees. All right, fine. Then everybody's happy. Yeah, but Joe, why do they say, have you misplaced holiday greetings? Hey, what's that? Isn't that a period right after misplaced? Is that a period? Sure, but it ought to be a question mark. Here's how it goes. Cannot purchase war bonds because order placed ten days ago has not arrived. Have you misplaced? Question mark. Holiday greetings, Aldrich. <laughs> That's the first portion of the Aldrich family. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to the Aldrich family from 1942. Then it's the California Caravan from 1947. Good Christmas show. We'll see you all next time right here on Hollywood 360.